This is an Aim High U production. Today on The Purpose Lab. You have to open yourself up to new opportunities, new experiences, new perspectives, and new people. Sometimes those things are not going to go as planned. But if you don't open yourself up to it and be willing to experience both success and failure and to maybe feel a little bit of either physical or emotional pain, you can't get past that threshold in your life, whatever that threshold may be. Welcome to the second season of The Purpose Lab. Once again, I'm excited and I told you we're bringing the fire this season. And so our very first guest, very first guest out the box is Matt Volkman. I'm going to read your bio. Is that okay with that, you? That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So, so, so get ready to just be impressed by all the things that you've done in your life. Just in case you don't remember <laughs> them, here we go. Matt Volkman is a father, a husband, U.S. Army veteran. Thank you for your service. Uh, thank you. An athlete, don't know how good he is, but we'll continue on the, on the bio. Um, an, an amateur power lifter who lives and thrives on personal growth, mental fil- fitness, and resilience. He started a clothing brand from the ground up in 2017 and has slowly been focusing on incremental growth. Having been both on top of his game in his earlier years and being deemed medically unable to serve, Matt has been on both ends of what many would consider the personal success spectrum. Matt started a clothing brand, Arsenal Apparel Company, which he says has a cool backstory to it. So I'm excited that you are our first guest on the second season of the Purpose Lab. You ready to get into this? I am, Damon. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And, and, uh, I need to have you read my bio, I think, on my podcast, because that sounded better than what I could say. <laughs> hey, hey, I, I won't even charge you since hey. you didn't charge us. So hey. it's all good. It's all good. A favor <laughs> right. for a favor. The bartering system. That so works. I'm excited, first of all, to to just find out a little bit more about you. Um, your father, how yes. many kids do you have? So we have five. Uh, my wife has two from a previous. I have one from a previous, and we have two together. Uh, my oldest is getting ready to turn 23 actually at the end of next week golly wow. oh <laughs> our, you are our, oh, yeah don't 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 no <laughs> she's about to turn 23 uh at the end of next week um and then i got a 21 year old uh 15 year old nine year old and a four year old so we we kind of started over almost we we were almost we were getting really close to having an empty house and and we started all over again but you know what my two little ones they bring me the most joy and the most excitement. I, I can't even express it. So, um, How so? So my nine-year-old daughter, she is the most loving human being I think I have ever met in my entire life. Um, she's extremely smart, and she challenges me on a daily basis. Uh, she keeps me on my toes is the best way I can put it. Uh, okay. She's very much like me. I think when I was younger, um, I probably presented some of the similar challenges to my parents as she does to me. Yes. Uh, but she's also very much like me, uh, in a lot of ways. Um, I am, uh, I'm a smart individual. Uh, I have some brains inside this bald head of mine. Um, (laughs) and uh, but what that what I found for me is I, I tend to lean more towards the creative um, mm-hmm. and that leaves some things in my life a little bit scattered. So there's there's 
organization and my chaos, but nobody else understands it. My daughter's kind Definitely. of the same way. So there's organization. What you say? You get it. Right. I get it. And that's the only thing that matters to me. And then my yeah. daughter's the same way. There's organization in her chaos. I don't understand uh-huh. it, but she gets it. Yeah. So, And then yeah. my four-year-old, he is a little firecracker. This kid, he is – Preston makes uh, – he makes me laugh – uh, multiple times a day, every day of the week, 365 days a year, and he, um, he is he likes to snuggle. That's uh, okay. that's my favorite part with him is he likes to snuggle. There you go. So there you go. They're they're there my two go. they're my two little babies, and I just I just love them to death. I love it. I love it when we have an opportunity to really receive those things that we need, yes. right? And so that's what I always say about life. Life gives us what we need. We might not think we need it, but at the time we're going through it, it is what we need. Now, if we can take the lessons from it. And so kudos on having a successful family, a family that challenges you and a child and, and snuggles with you as well. Yeah. So that's always I, good. I love it, man. I appreciate that. And uh, And you're right. We do need to recognize the things that we are blessed with. Um, definitely I think it's too easy to lose that stuff in in the in the chaos that is life so to speak definitely. so definitely I've, Justin's heard me say it, my producers heard me say it many times and, and I really stand on that it's never happening to you it's always happening for you and so as we talk about that as you know with this podcast and what our mission is to interview the world's most successful failures I want to talk a little bit about um you being a U.S. Army veteran, tell me how you made that decision to go serve for our country. Well, that's an interesting story because uh, I was <laughs> I enlisted at age thirty. Oh wow! So I was twelve years behind the power curve in comparison to my fellow soldiers when I was going through basic training in AIT. Mm-hmm. Um, that led to. Uh, some really positive moments for me, but there was also some things that I, I felt like I was lacking. Um, physically, I, I played high school football and a little bit of college ball in my, my freshman uh, freshman year and got injured. And some of those, just allowing my body to get beat up that much, that young, there were some physical limitations that I, I couldn't keep up. Um, I did my best. Don't get me wrong. Yes. I gave everything mm-hmm. I had, and then mm-hmm. some. Um, and I and I, I think the biggest thing for me in that decision uh, that came out of that was there were limitations that I had in my own mind mm. that I just absolutely destroyed. Um, Such as, talk to me about them. So, okay, so. <laughs> Um, when I was prepping to leave for basic training, you go through, like when I went through my recruiter's office and stuff like that, I, 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 I signed all the paperwork, came back, and then they have this kind of like pre, pre basics, uh, pre basic training preparation. So they help, they, you go through, uh, to the recruiter's office a couple times a week. They put you through your, the standard army physical training program so that you can start getting used to the movements and the exercises and getting your body ready for the physical beat down basically that basic training is and it's not that they i mean don't misconstrue that they don't physically beat you but it it destroys your body um but that's part of the process so Mm -hmm. um you know that was one of the big things that i did going through the physical training practice i guess through the recruiter's office i i wasn't sure i was going to be able to hack it uh there was a couple times where 
I'm I'm out there training with these 18, 19 year old kids getting ready to go off to basic training, and I'm over there in the corner puking my guts out, like after just getting mm. done with a half mile run, and I'm like, God, that was only half a mile. Like, how am I going <laughs> to handle two? And that's that's the standard PT test. But yeah. on top of that, on top of the physical, um, there were some limitations. It's like, okay, can I be away from my family for this long? Can I handle what they're going to put me through? I just got done working for you know for a little over 10 years in a family business i mean my my surroundings were comfortable and i was completely exiting my comfort zone um but there was something about that that was really liberating for me mentally um i think and and in hindsight i recognize it even more than i did in the moment uh and in those moments in that when you do step out of your comfort zone or lean beyond the edge of your comfort zone that's where you truly shine that's where you truly have the opportunity to grow and that was really important for me uh personally for for my own well-being and my own mental strength to be able to see what i was truly capable of when i eliminated the negative from my own self-talk i guess for a lack Mm. of a better term so when I say those limitations, those are the things I'm talking about. It's like, can you, can you, are you, you're too old. You can't do this. You're going to have some mental, you know, you, you're not going to be able to handle being away from your family. These are all things that I was saying to myself. It's not things that other people were saying to me. Okay. And so, so do you, do, do you find, and I didn't mean to cut you off. No, you're fine. But do you find, you said you were saying the things to yourself. Yes. Did other people say that to you as well, or was it just you talking to yourself? Interestingly enough, I had more support externally than I did internally. But see, what's interesting about that, Damon, is I find, generally speaking, if you surround yourself with the right people, that tends to be the case. We're harder on ourselves if we have the right circle of influence than our circle of influence will be on us. Mm -hmm. And so... I, I don't know. I mean, that was the case for me. Uh, I know my parents were not super happy about it. Uh, we, we were still really heavy into the you know wartime scenario over in the Middle East. Yeah, I did deploy, um, and you know that was that was obviously a scary thing, scary time for my parents, for my wife, and my kids. Um, but you know, it was something that I wanted to do. It was something that I felt I needed to do. That's um, what I was going to ask you next. Was you had this gravitational pull, right, of right. these people who you love, who love you, mm-hmm. and they're trying to say no because they're worried about you. Mm-hmm. What made you still make that decision to say, you know what, this is something that I have to do? So I think in every person's life, and and for me, I think in every person's life, there is a need Uh and it's it, it may happen once, it may happen multiple times in a person's life, but there are time, those times when you're in your life where you just have this feeling that there is something that you have to do. And when you find out what that thing is, what that purpose is, um, and this is this this kind of ties really into my my progress blueprint that I was talking about earlier yes, before uh-huh. the show. When you find out what that purpose is. It is your responsibility to do anything and everything in your power to fulfill that purpose. Yes. So when I felt that pull, 
trust me, I had gone and looked at, I've talked to, I had talked to recruiters multiple times throughout my life. I talked to them while I was in college. I talked to them after I left college and joined the family business. I talked to them, uh, you know, even a couple years before I actually decided to sign on the dotted line. I had taken the ASVAB three times, passed with flying colors all three times before I actually took the leap. And going back and forth, it's like, okay, there were obviously reasons that God didn't put me, and, and forgive me, I, I'm a very faith-based person. You're fine. So You're fine. For me, it was there was obviously a reason God didn't put me in that scenario at the time. But here I am again, something is bringing me back to this point. So it was that it it was a lot of that. I mean that that's just what it was. Like I felt like this was something I absolutely, without a doubt, had to do. So it was something you had to do. You felt like this was your purpose, and you had to jump. Yes. One thing you mentioned as well is you said that comfort zone. Right. Tell me, um, wh- why is it important to leave your comfort zone? Why do you feel it's important? Because complacency kills, and that's something. I mean. I'm sure other people have heard it outside. That's uh, we heard this day to day in the military. Complacency kills. If you get complacent and you get lackadaisical in your surroundings and you don't pay attention to what's going on and you don't keep yourself on that edge, that's how people die. Now, obviously, in our general day to day lives, that's usually not the case. But I think it ties in really well because what happens is is it, it may not kill other people, but you staying in your comfort zone eventually is going to kill you without personal growth. That's that's my true that's my true deep like deep seated belief. Um, you have to open yourself up to new opportunities, new experiences, new perspectives, and new people. Sometimes those things are not going to go as planned. But if you don't open yourself up to it and be willing to experience both success and failure and to maybe feel a little bit of either physical or emotional pain, you can't get past that threshold in your life, whatever that threshold may be. So you just mentioned success and failure. Yeah. So do you feel that they're different or do you feel they're tied together? And if so, how? Which which one? Success and failure? Success and failure. Oh, do you I believe think- that they're different or do you believe they're somehow tied together and can actually be cousins, let's I, say. I think they're both tied together and different. Um, okay. But I see, I don't look at failure the way that a lot of people look at failure. Failure to me is, is it's an opportunity to learn and grow. There you go. So if, if I fail, it's, you know, let's say, okay, there is a wall at basic training. All right, and it is a thirty. Is this is this the wall I see on these videos? Yeah, is this the yeah. wall? This yeah, is yeah. the wall. Yep. Okay, this this is the wall, and this is the one where you have to kind of repel yourself down. Yes. Uh, I think the first time I went down it, I went down pretty much banging my head most of the way down because uh, my feet slipped off, and then you spin on the <laughs> rope, and if you can't figure out how to control your body properly, so you know, I got to the bottom, and you know, of course, the drill sergeants are in your face; they're yelling at you. Uh, you know, telling you you're 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 worse than the dirt that they're stomping on, and that you're going to end uh-huh. up back at mom and dad's house eating McDonald's in the basement, and all kinds of stuff like this. <laughs> um, but uh, I was like, you know what? Okay, these younger guys they make fun of me and they call me pops, but at the same time, they come to me constantly asking me questions and asking me for advice and stuff like that, and that's what I ended up becoming 
in my barracks was the wise old sage, dad, grandpa, whatever you want to call it. But uh-huh. I was like, they're looking at me like I know stuff, but also like I can't do stuff. So I got to figure out a way to get past this. So I went up and I tried it again and I ended up coming down like skidding my butt and my back down the wall. I think the second time and it was finally <laughs> the third time it was like, okay, let me shift. I, you know, and I just kind of like played with my body, shifting my weight, kind of finding that right balance. And then, you know, so the first two times I failed, mm-hmm. but what happened was I learned how not to do it the next time. And that's, that to me is the, the greatest gift that failure can give. Um, and so I kind of live this, I kind of like this philosophy. It's not really a philosophy and it's not really something that I live by, but I tend to research as much as I can until I know it's time to make a move. And then when it's time to make that move, it's like, okay, here it goes. If I fail, hey, I'm learning something. That's really what matters. So There you go. So once again, they're different, but they're the same. Yes. And so as you figured out how to do it without being the dirt that (laughs) (laughs) that they called you. So why do you think people came up to you? And wanted to know your opinion, wanted to get your advice. What do you think what the, was the shift that made them view you as that person? Well, I think initially it was because I was older. Um, and uh, at the beginning, I didn't catch as much. Gr- well, yeah. So in the first week, everybody catches grief. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter where you come from. Doesn't matter your age, color, creed, gender, any of that kind of stuff. They're they're barking down your neck. But once, they, once your drill sergeants get to know you, they understand who's got the strong personalities, who's got, you know, who's pretty level headed and things of that sort. And it, it really quickly comes to light um, when you're put into the, that, that uh, pressure cooker, uh, so to speak. And so a lot of people, I think, um, and I still, I still keep in touch with people that I went to basic training with uh, to this day. I still have them messaging me on Facebook from time to time. And I talk to a couple of them. They're all, they're all great people. I love them all. Um, and so uh, what ended up happening was there was a couple moments where things were not going according to plan. And, that you know, they expect you to work as a team, right? So that's one of yes. the greatest benefits of the military is you're forced to work together whether you like each other or not. And there's going to be a lot of times where you don't like each other because somebody's going to do something that makes you mad. <laughs> but you still have to work together because that's – the philosophy you don't get out of basic training by yourself period you just don't and so when it comes to those those expected team success or failure opportunities the cream rises to the crop um and some are some of that cream is physical and some of that cream is is mental and i had the mental edge because i had been through a lot of things already i'd already made a lot of mistakes the hard way in my life and i had learned from those mistakes and knew where where not to push buttons and and where to push the envelope a little bit uh, when it came to some of those things. Okay, I want to I want to before we move on to the next part of it that I want to ask you. But you mentioned and you said your circle, right? Right. How important is your circle to your ultimate success? And I love how you're using the same words that we use when we really came up with this idea of the Purpose Lab. You're using those failure and failure is just an opportunity to learn all of those different things. But how important is your circle in order for your success? Well, so, I don't even I don't even know how to explain this. You, you kind of tripped me up here, Damon. Um, 
there there is no way that I could have accomplished a lot of the things that I have accomplished in this life without having people by my side saying, you can do it. You can do this and you will do this. Mm. Not, not because I owe them anything, but because they want to see me succeed. Um, and, th- and this is where it becomes, it's not so much having a circle of influence, but having the right circle of influence. Because you can have a circle of influence all day long, but what we tend to find um, when, we just, when we surround ourselves with people just to be around people, uh, when we try to take that next step or move to that next level, what we end up finding is a lot of people, they fight that. They're going to give you all the reasons why you can't do it. They're going to give you all the reasons why you shouldn't do it. And it's you can't fault them for it. Um, I, I genuinely don't believe that anybody truly wants you – know, I, I generally believe that all the people in my life that ever told me I couldn't or that I wouldn't didn't want me to fail. They were afraid of being left behind. Yep. And so when it comes to your circle of influence – You've got to surround yourself with the people that uh, you got to surround yourself with the people that that you know for a fact want you to succeed at any and all cost. Definitely, definitely. It's it's so funny because when I go speak around the country, especially especially when I'm talking to high school students, I, I always tell them you'll be as successful as the people you're hanging around and the conversations you're having. Right. And so I tell them, I don't care about the conversation you're having. You have to care about the conversations you're having. Mm-hmm. And so if you say you want to go to the next level, are you having next level conversations? Right. And so you're right on with that. So I want to segue. So um, what happened in the Army once you left the Army? So what happened? So August of 2016, uh, I was – we were getting ready to – we were actually preparing um, – to deploy. Was it 2016? I'm trying to think now. I think it was 2016. August 2016. Might have been 2017. But it was August. And I, it, um, we were getting ready to deploy. And uh, we had some guys that were going to um, the Middle East. We had some guys that were going to the Europe area to support. Um, and I was in an airborne unit. Um, I worked at the time with special operations community and I was in an airborne unit and we have to, you either have to jump out of an airplane enough times to satisfy the, the, the requirement during the time that you're going to be gone. You either have to do it ahead of time or you have to do it when you come back. And what's funny is I was really gung ho about, I, the job I picked when I went to the recruiter's office and I went into MEPS to, to sign my paperwork, I picked the job because it was airborne. I was like, hell yeah, jumping out of airplanes. This is going to be cool. <laughs> it's not so cool. Like, wow. it's fun the first, like, two, three times. But then you realize that it doesn't matter how much you focus on landing the right way. It hurts every single time. And I was, like I said, I was 12 years more beaten up than everybody else that I was jumping with. And so... For me, it was, it was fun. Don't get me wrong; I enjoyed jumping, but the landings are not so fun. And so, this August day it was nice. Uh, it was it was a sunny day in North Carolina. 
ground was dry and hard. I came down on the edge of what they call uh, a FLS, which is a field landing strip. And it's a hard-packed gravel runway, basically. So for for small aircraft, um, they can land on the runway, drop gear, take right back off again. Um, so it's it's a ta- tactically built hard-packed gravel runway. Right on each, right on the side of it was a about a two and a half foot to three foot deep ditch. Mm-hmm. I landed half body on, half body off. It compacted wow. the entire right side of my body. Uh, had uh, fractures in my foot. Um, let's see here. Torn ligaments in my ankle, sprained knee, uh, sprained hip. Um, and, you know, there's this unspoken thing in the military where they tell you to they tell you to go see a doctor, but they don't really want you to go see a doctor unless you're like really really broken. Um, and I was I was at a point in my career where it was like, okay, I need to get promoted. I'm starting to I'm starting I I had this goal in my t- career to meet every promotion benchmark prior to what the standard benchmark was. So I was a specialist. I was an E4. I was trying to go to E5. Generally speaking, you should be at E5 within five to seven years, if not sooner. I was trying to do it in three. I had made, I had gone from E3 to E4 in 18 months because you have to be in the military for 18 months. Uh, that, that was the minimum time that, that I could wait to be promoted, and I was promoted the next month. So um, I was trying to make E5 within six months after that. Which I guess it would have been two years. So I guess it's three to four. Anyways, I was trying to meet the benchmark really early. I had this goal that every every promotion I want to get there at least a year prior to what the average is. Um, and uh, so I was trying to get promoted, and I was you have to go to school for that, and they won't let you into school if you're hurt because you can't take a PT test. And so I I was really holding off, and and a lot of this came down to my own stupidity <laughs> and my own stubbornness. Um, I did not go see a doctor right away. And excuse me, <coughs> I did not go see a doctor right away. Let me and let that, me ask you a question. Yeah. I want you to continue. Why didn't you go see a doctor right away? Um, because I was afraid that the doctor was going to take me out of the fight, so to speak. So I was okay. trying to get promoted. If the doctor took me out of the fight and put me on what's called a medical profile, it's basically physical uh, limitations. They tell you what you cannot. Like they, they give you activities that you strictly are not permitted to participate in. Okay. So I didn't want them to do that to me. I didn't want them to restrict me. So I figured I would just ice the heck out of it, just keep going, you know, keep pushing through, like let my let my NCOs, non-commissioned officers know, the people ab- above me in the chain of command, let me let them know like, hey, this is what I'm going through, but I'm really trying to do this. So I, I, I let them all know what was going on, and they were like, okay, if that's what you want to do. Um, they were all happy because really – that's what they like to see. They like to see go-getters, even though they tell you they want you to go get fixed because that's their responsibility. And medically, they are expected to care for you. Um, if you are out of the fight, you're out of the fight. They can't use you. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Army is, is it's strictly a numbers game. The more numbers they have that are fully mission capable, the more successful they believe yeah. that the unit is going to be. Um, so I don't fault the Army for at all for, for what happened because like i said initially it was my fault long story short didn't go see the doctor 
Um, re-injured it again, uh, mostly my ankle and my knee. So I twisted my knee again, sprained my ankle again. Even though the fractures in my foot had healed, I had this long-term soft tissue damage that basically loosened all the, the ligaments and everything in my ankle, and, and it became like this thing that I was going to need surgery for. Didn't get the surgery. Re-injured it again. So the third wow. time and developed a nerve condition. So now I have a spinal cord nerve stimulator implant in my spinal cord oh, and wow. a battery pack implanted in my back. Oh, and wow. they said, yeah, you can't serve anymore with that because you can't, you can't ruck march, you can't jump, you can't run. The new physical training or the new physical fitness test that came out, you can't do that. So here I am. It was time to find okay. another plan. <laughs> okay. So, so, and, and I'm not, I'm not going to touch that right now. I'm gonna put a pin in that. Cause I have a question on that, but I want to wait till we get towards the end of the um, interview. Right. So then you leave. Right. And so you have to put a new plan together. Yes. What was your thought process? And, and I know this apparel company came soon after, correct? Actually the apparel company started before I left the military. Okay. Um, the apparel company started as I was, um, okay, so August of 2000. 2017 so yeah, is, is the apparel yeah. company, correct? So this, okay. Yeah, so it was September of, two, or no, sorry, December of 2017 is when we started Arsenal Apparel Company. Um, and it was a buddy of mine who was, he was a service member as well. He was in a different unit, um, but we actually came up together. We went to basic training together. We went through AIT together, and we got stationed at the same base he just was in a different uh, a different military unit than i was um but he and i had kind of gone through some thim- similar things he had he was working on a truck and something fell and smashed his hand and it it crushed and pinched one of his nerves he had to have surgery wow. to try and have that repaired and it never got he never healed properly and so he was kind of going through some of the same things i was going through um and i was on a cocktail of meds <laughs> uh which really put me in a kind of a weird mental place. Um, And to this day, I don't like taking anything other than ibuprofen for a headache from time to time. I just don't like it. Why is that? I'm scared. Hmm. Uh, Not from a, like, not from a, not from a standpoint of like, I'm going to get addicted. It's from a standpoint of like, I do not like what this does to my body at all. I do not like the fact that I cannot complete a sentence. I forget words. I lose like parts of the day where I just can't remember it because I was in such a fog. So when I was on this cocktail of meds, like I, I kind of started going into a, a depression because like not, not started. I was in a deep depression. I didn't okay. know what I was going to do with the rest of my life. I felt like I had lost my purpose. I felt like I was going to be a burden to the people that were around me. Because at the time, they still couldn't figure out what was going on with me. So it was just like, well, let's throw more meds at this because we don't know. There's obviously pain. There's swelling. There's discoloration. But we don't know what's causing it. So let's treat the symptoms, not the problem. And I understand and appreciate what they were trying to do at the time. Um at the, but at the same time, it was frustrating that they wouldn't get to the bottom of the cause. If they find the root cause, hopefully there is a, a root cure. Um, turns out there isn't <laughs> uh, for, for my condition, but uh, th- there isn't a known 
Uh, 100% across the board cure. But, I, I mean, that's a whole other story for a whole other day. Um, the, um, so the apparel company came around because I recognized this place that I was in mentally. And as I was coming off this medic, medicine cocktail and kind of trying to get back to doing some things um, that made me happy again, it's like, okay, I've been through this now and i didn't before understand what depression really was mm. um i didn't understand what anxiety was um i had heard it i'd my you know my wife and i've had some friends that have dealt with these episodes before um but i never knew what it was and once i did it was like oh man that is a whole nother level of uh that that is a whole nother level to the emotional side mm-hmm. of the human that I've never seen and and hopefully I never see again in myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot, but a lot of it was to try and bring awareness. So Arsenal, Arsenal Apparel Company was developed to bring awareness, not so much as a clothing company, but as a lifestyle brand to help people recognize the need to build an arsenal of tools in their Mm. lives so that they can combat the things that we experience on a day-to-day existence whether it be a loss of a job whether it be a loss of a a friend or a family member or um depression anxiety um hopefully not but ever you know it, it happens all the time homelessness uh just all the things that people go through they're little micro traumas, right? Mm. And they're little tiny battles that we fight within our own lives daily. And just like the military has a huge arsenal of weapons to fight whatever enemy they might be fighting at any given time, these little micro battles in our lives, they also require, require specialized tools, whether that's knowing the right people to talk to, uh, developing the courage and the strength to speak out when you need help. And that's one of the big things is um, vulnerability is not a weakness. <laughs> vulnerability is a strength. Yes. Um, Agreed. And that's one of the th- – so that's how Arsenal that's, – that's the story behind Arsenal was, was trying to encourage people to build this, this just massive amount of mental weapons and tools to be able to, okay – I've I've been through this before. You know what, life? Yes. You're not going to get me down today. I'm going to conquer this day, and I'm going to conquer tomorrow too. And you know what? Bring it on. Bring me more tomorrow than you're bringing today because you're not going to get me today, and you're sure as heck not going to get me tomorrow. So, so you had mentioned you had mentioned that you had lost your purpose. Yes. When you created this, and as you developed this, did you start to find your purpose again? I did. Uh, I did because we had a, a, you know, we we were all excited. We were like, okay, yes, we're going to share this with people. People are going to love it. We're going to bring awareness to the situation. We're going to, you know, and we're like, you know, obviously the dreamers dream, and that's what we were doing. Yes. We were dreaming this mm-hmm. big, massive dream, and obviously, like, stuff happens. Life kind of, you mm-hmm. know, life. It's like, okay, you got this plan. All right, I got something for you, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
But yeah, so we had this big dream and we felt like we really needed to bring this to the masses. And so we started sharing it with our friends, with our family, with our with our coworkers in the military. It's like, hey man, you gotta check this out. We got this clothing brand. Like we're, I'm gonna float you some clothes. You can see how it feels, how it fits. But more importantly, these are the things, this is the reason why we exist. And everybody loved the concept. Everybody's like, man, that is so important. You gotta share this with the world. Well, me and my business partner had a falling out when he left the military and I was still in and he moved back to Chicago and I still love him. I mean, I, I yeah. wish he would call me back, but uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, he and I had a difference of opinion on how the company was going to be run and how we were going to do things in the future. And he decided he needed to just cut bait and run. So okay, it is what it is, okay. I guess. But, uh, you know, life goes on. And again, this, that arsenal of tools, like I love him. I got love for him. And if he calls me, I'll be there for him. But I can't spend my days and nights wondering, wishing, hoping, and 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 you know, wasting, wondering why. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. Why can't you, and why shouldn't you? More importantly. Um, because I have, I have a responsibility to myself to fulfill the purposes that I feel like I have to, right? So going back to what we were talking about when I first felt that just that natural, almost like biological pull to join the military, we have those daily in our lives. I have a purpose to be the best father. I have a purpose to be the best husband. I have a purpose to my boss. My purpose to my boss is to be the best electrical genius employee that he's ever had i fail at all of those daily but i strive to be better tomorrow than i was today and you know, so me, my, my wife and i first met I'm, I'm sorry but my wife and i first met because everything you're saying is right in alignment with um my life and it's interesting that you know things come together but my wife one of the things that she said when we first met she said i strive to be better today than I was yesterday. Right. So you're right on. Go ahead. Continue. No, so ultimately, you know, we have these little mini purposes and then we have our gener our greater purpose for life. And, and mm. the greater purpose for life for me is not to get stuck in a rut so that I can bring whatever gifts that God has given me to those that are ready to listen and want to hear and want to want to receive and and so whether that be my wife or my kids or my friends or complete strangers halfway across the world that are listening to my podcast whatever medium that I use to deliver those gifts that's my purpose gotcha whether anybody listens or not that's not on me hmm. it's my job to share and so that's one of the reasons why I felt so blessed that you guys asked me on here. It's like, oh, sweet. Yes, let's do this. Hopefully somebody Definitely. can get something good out of this. Definitely. So, so I want to tie in another thing is an amateur power lifter. <laughs> so how does that tie in so, to your purpose? So this was actually back in high school, right? So this was actually way before all of the military and all that kind of stuff. Back in high school, I had a, I had a football coach. Uh, his name was Jim Dooley, and he was probably one of the most influential men of my young life. Um, he was about five foot four, just a fire plug of a man. Like, I just <laughs> built, and like, 
I think by my junior year, I was taller than him, but he still scared the crap out of me. Like, he scared <laughs> the crap out of me. And uh-huh. if he got going, it was like, get out of his way. Get out of Coach Dooley's way, because you know what? But he was also very calm uh, through most of his interactions. He was very subdued. Um, mm-hmm. But if you got him going, man, he would get going. Um, but he used to say something. He had a, he had a tattoo of a butterfly, or a, not a butterfly, a bumblebee. And we had this conversation, and I and I, I we talked about it all the time. It's like he's got that little bumblebee, and nobody would, like everybody was afraid to ask him what it was. And finally, one day, one of the seniors was like, "Hey, Coach Dooley, what's that bumble? Why you got a bumblebee tattooed on your body?" And he was like. You know why a bumblebee flies? No, because nobody tells it that it can't. Can't. Mm. Bumblebees, physi like physics, mm-hmm. yeah, physiologically, <laughs> biologically, are not supposed to fly. Their body is too heavy for the size of the wings that they have. But you know what? Nobody's told them that they can't, so they do it anyways. He goes, yes. "That's that's what I live by." Don't let anybody tell you you can't do something. You go out and do it just to prove them wrong. And so, um, but anyways, Coach Dooley had this had this philosophy, and this was um, uh, this is kind of what shaped that whole like I want to strive to be better today than I was yesterday. Is he had this thing about being an eleven on a scale of one to ten, strive for eleven always. Never limit yourself to your potential. If somebody tells you your scale is from one to ten, why can't you go to eleven? Who says it has to stop at 10? Um, that's a limitation that we put on ourselves, right? So just be the best you can possibly be. If that's a 9 on a given day, great, it's a 9. If it's an 11 or a 12 on a given day, awesome, it's an 11 or 12. Um, but he's the one that got us into powerlifting. He's like, look, when you, when you guys are out of season, you cannot let your body, like, you, you can't let your body regress. You spend all this time toning and building and creating this strength in preparation for football season, and then December comes around, playoffs are over, and what are you all doing? Eating triple cheeseburgers in the damn McDonald's parking lot. Like, who does that? He goes, you guys yeah. need to stay in shape. You guys need to focus on getting better, stronger, and continue that progress, even if it's just to maintain that progress. Mm-hmm. So when he... Uh, he introduced us all to powerlifting. He took a couple of us to some shows. I think I went to like two or three, uh, but I maintained, I kept doing those lifts throughout my high school and my, and my early college years. Um, because it was, again, this is where that it was familiar, but the familiar exercise, I continued to push the envelope with the weights. I'd always try and go stronger. Um, and I'm five foot six. I weigh 200. Well, now I weigh 220 pounds, a little bit overweight, but at the time I was about 207 pounds, um, deadlifting almost 500 pounds. Wow. So I had a, I had some decent strength for someone my size. Did, I know that you, there's did, guys. Were you really just being humble right there? Was that a little bit of humble brag right there? It was a little, a little bit of a bit humble of strength. Brag. Okay. All right. I there mean, you go. I got, I got a little bit of strength. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> but, and, and that's the thing is like, I'm not great at touting myself. I don't like to, but I also recognize yeah. where I do have some, some strengths. 
no yeah. pun intended. Um, <laughs> so I do recognize where I where I have some gifts and where I have some strengths, and and I think that's important as a man and as a human to recognize what you bring to the people around you. If you're Definitely. always looking for what other people can bring to you, well, you're a taker. Sorry. Yes. Uh, um, and it and it's important to have that balance. Sorry, I didn't mean to segue into a completely another subject, but because you had said something about you know little humble brags, like yeah, I got to recognize what what I can bring to other people and what yes. I what gifts yes. I can share. So definitely, because it, it, that gift and you said it earlier. That gift is your obligation to give that back. It's your responsibility to give that gift that you've been given to other people because there's different experiences that I experienced, that you experienced, that somebody else think they can't make it through. But right. we made it through, so it's our obligation to tell them that. Right. So that's right in alignment. But I know we're getting close to that hour, and so I want to make sure that you tell me what is, and you touched on it a little bit, progress blueprint. Okay. Talk to me about it. All right, so... I have this progress blueprint and it's very simple. It's, it's kind of like, it's not even a five step process, but it's a five, uh, five part, um, blueprint and it's five P's. First one is purpose. Okay. Mm. If you don't know what your purpose is, that that's the first thing you got to figure out. What am I here to do? And what am I here to do today versus what am I here to do tomorrow? What am I here to do in this person's life versus what am I here to do in this person's life? And what is my greater purpose in life for myself and the people that I surround myself with? Second one is passions. If your passions don't align with your purpose, you either need to find a new purpose or you need to develop some new passions. Okay, because you cannot be successful about anything that you are not passionate about. I don't care what it is. You have to care about what you are doing and what you are giving and what you are bringing if you intend to be in any way remotely successful at what that is. Third thing, priorities. Okay, when you have your purpose aligned and you have and you recognize what passions can strengthen that purpose, get your priorities in line. First, second, third. Okay. So your priorities are going to be like, all right, if I have the choice to do A, which doesn't really serve my purpose, but it's what is the quick, feel good kind of uh, solution today versus B, which is the painful, slow process, but it serves my purpose and it meets in line with my passions. Well, you need to pick B. Sorry. That's just the way that it goes. And this is part of that, like leaning beyond that comfort zone too, is you got to be willing to accept a little bit of heat and a little bit of pain to be able to get which, where you want to go. The fourth P is perspective. Maintain perspective at all times about where you want to go, where you like, where you've been, what you're doing now to get where you want to go. And then the last thing is people. We talked about people a lot, surrounding yourself with that that correct circle of influence, the ones that are going to push you to, to work even harder, they're going to push you to succeed that want that ultimate success and, and the achievement of that goal for you. So, I mean, that's, that's the quick and dirty, uh, elevator speech per thing of my, my, my progress br blueprint. So hopefully it makes sense to you guys, but those are the, like, that's kind of how I look at most situations in my life. Okay. What's my purpose here? What are the passions that I can bring to the table? What are the priorities in terms of uh, accomplishing or serving this purpose? Um, shift my perspective to, to always keep that purpose. Uh, even if it's not the, 
immediate goal as the end game goal, and then surrounding myself with the people that are going to help, uh, that are going to align that and help me achieve this the best, most fruitful way possible. Love it. So let me ask you a question. Yeah. Can I turn that around? Yep. So I love how you, I'm, I'm a visionary. And like you said, dreamers dream. Right. So I'm, as you were saying it, I see it going forward. I see it going backwards. I see the people, the perspective, the priority, the passion that you have will help you get to your purpose. You could. Yeah, absolutely. So, it, and if that, and that's a good, that's a good point because I have kind of thought about it backwards and sometimes it's those things, even though we don't realize that the, it's those things that bring us to what our purpose is. Yes. And yep. and I think um, I think that's one of the hardest things for us, especially young men, to try and do is figure out what is my purpose in this life? What am I here yes. to do? What am I here to give and share and build and grow? Um, I don't know. I mean... I, I, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. <laughs> and I think one of the things you said in order to whether you do it the way you had it, if you switch it, if you interchange, you still got to be courageous. Right. You still got to be courageous to take mm -hmm. that leap yep. to be able to say, regardless of the people who care about you, the people who love you, that they see you not doing something that you know you need to do because it's a need, as you said. Yeah. But if you don't jump, I think we'll all be, we'll always be incongruent with our true self. Oh, so I love everything that you, just that said, you that. said. I love that you just said that because I tell my kids, especially my 20 year old, 21 year old son, he is, um, he's lost his way a couple times in life and he's gotten himself into trouble. And I'm like, dude, I said, the person that you are inside versus the person that you show other people, you're not congruent with yourself. Like you're showing people a part of you that doesn't even exist behind closed doors. Stop doing that. Stop showing people a part of yourself that doesn't exist. If you feel like you have to change who you are for other people to love you, forget those people because yeah. they don't matter. Yeah. They might matter to somebody else, but they don't matter to you. And there's nothing wrong with that. And the last, the other, the other thing that I want to, I want to leave you guys with, and and we're really big on acronyms in the military. So this is kind of where I started to come up with some of this stuff. It's like, okay, um, you know, we always say, I always say, take care at the end of a conversation. Mm -hmm. Hey, man, we'll talk to you later. Take care. Care for me is an acronym. It's a, it's a four letter acronym, and it stands for confidence, assertiveness, responsibility, and empathy. But more importantly than care for other people, that care needs to be for you. You need to have confidence in what you're doing. You need to be assertive in setting those boundaries and expectations with other people so they don't affect your ability to do what you're here to do. You have a responsibility to yourself to hold yourself accountable for the things that you're expected to do and have empathy when you're, with yourself when you don't succeed understand what your shortcomings are and work on uh, taking those shortcomings or those or those pitfalls and turning them into strengths T taking those weaknesses and turning them into strengths so all right so here we go I'm about to we're gonna end this 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 wonderful session because remember <laughs> I told you from the beginning I said your season season two you're the first guest and phenomenal guest right <laughs> in alignment with what we're talking about because it's all about purpose and so right. Thank you for joining us on oh, the Purpose Lab. But here we go. So I'm going to give you five words. Mm 
In the five words I give you, you can only give me a word that's reflective from you, from your standpoint of that word. So okay. when I ask you the word, you can only give me, so can't give me a sentence, <laughs> can't give me a, 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 a your your whole novel. Right. I need one word when I say this word, okay? What's my time limit? Five words. <laughs> Here we go. Ready? All right. First word, purpose. Uh, expectation. Responsibility. Self. Belief. Self. Family. Love. Blueprint. Progress. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> once again, once again, Matt, I thank you. Thank you. Thank you for um, taking part um, on the Purpose Lab, where our whole mission is to interview the world's most successful failures. And you talked about all the different things that others may have seen as failure. But you turned that around and you reframe that and understand that it's not failure. It was something I learned from because there's no losses. There's only lessons. So I thank you for taking the lessons and I thank you for being courageous enough to share these lessons that you learned, not only with your family, but with people around the world. So I appreciate you. Uh, thank you, Damon. I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to come on and share my story with people. Definitely, definitely. Before we let you go, once yeah. again, wonderful, phenomenal interview. And I, I would be remiss if I didn't have my listeners and the listeners that you will send this to be able to find you. So where can they find you? So we're at existentialman.com. That's the that's my podcast. It's brand new. We're fresh out the gate. So we got new content that's going to be continuing rolling out. We're going to touch a little bit more in depth on that progress blueprint and the care uh, pro, the, the care project, I guess, as I'll call it from here on out. Um, we're going to touch more on that. We're going to have some wonderful guests. Actually, I would like to bring you on. And uh, you can hit me up on Instagram, The Existential Man, uh, Twitter, Existential Man. So, yeah, any one of those platforms, you'll find me. So Definitely. I'll be honored, honored, honored. And once again, we appreciate you coming on the Purpose Lab. And thank you for letting uh, my listeners know where they can find you because oh, they definitely you. need to seek you out and, and, and follow this blueprint because the pro progress blueprint is something I think everybody can benefit from. I appreciate that. We send our best stuff to our insiders. So make sure you're on the list at aimhighu.com slash insiders.